0: We talk about seeds and heirloom seeds they're a way also for us to understand ourselves and in the context of palestine for example where when i left palestine and i would travel a lot of people would say oh you're palestinian palestine doesn't exist and i had to kind of sit in my mind and figure out over the years how can they like such a dissonance, because for me Palestine, so much exists. It's uh, it's in the hills, it's in the trees, it's in the seeds. What was one, Was my grandmother crazy, or or are these people just violent who say that to me? Uh, and so I think for me, seeds and heirloom seeds in particular have given me a platform to assert our presence and to assert that not only do we exist, we even have something so beautiful to share with the world.
1: This is season two of Instant Coffee, where we explore everything related to food in the Middle East. I'm Nadine Al-Manasfi. And I'm Ribal Sleiman Haider. And together,
0: we want to understand how food is shaping people's writing, thinking, and organizing in the region. Every episode, we
1: bring you a conversation between a guest and a colleague of ours at the center. On this episode, Nadine will be in conversation with our next guest, Vivian Sansour. Vivian is an artist, storyteller, researcher and conservationist. She uses these skills to advocate for seed conservation and the protection of agrobiodiversity as a cultural and political act.
0: She is founder of the Palestine Heirloom Seed Library, an interactive art and agriculture project attempting to recover ancient seeds and their stories and put them back into people's hands.
1: Hi Vivian. I'm really excited to have you here, as I told you before, because I've been following you for quite a while. And as somebody who grows my own fruit and veg as much as I can. Well, I was inspired when I came across you and I, and I saw your work and the way that you you bring your heritage into your growing, which is something that I also try to do um, in my little plot in London. So thank you for, for being with us. Well, thank you for having me and for planting seeds also obviously you founded the Palestine Heirloom Seed Library but can you just tell us what an heirloom seed is because I think not many people might know what that is and the importance of it as opposed to like new varieties.
0: Sure, Um, an heirloom seed is a seed that's been passed down to us uh, through generations usually or even there are New heirloom varieties, in the sense that if you breed something and it's been in your family or you've been doing it for, you know, many years, uh, that it becomes an heirloom. It's something that you pass down. Also, heirloom seeds are seeds that uh, are part of, you know, know, they have a cultural system around them that uh, that is attached to how they're grown and uh, and where they're grown. Uh, So there's that relationship. And in Arabic, we often say uh, they know the soil. Do you have any examples of heirloom seeds that you are working to conserve at the moment that you can share with us? Sure. Actually, I'm really excited about a new project that uh, I started doing this last year. And uh, that's uh, with the yaktin. It's a green uh, gourd uh, or it's kind of a pumpkin uh, that uh, grows very much in Palestine in the summer and I'm sure it grows across the Mediterranean. Uh, different varieties of it and in Palestine for us it's what declares winters here you know it's a very beloved dish when the yaktin is around. Uh, it grows in these big vines, it takes over Uh, people's uh, backyards but also often even in the cities people grow it in their front yard or their driveways and it provides shade and these beautiful velvety white flowers and it also is a gourd that stays on and hangs and you know even can become like a a lantern so it's visually beautiful it's also a wonderful seed that um that is delicious (laughs) and uh, we like to as we like to core and stuff everything we core it and we stuff it Um, but this year i uh, was really excited because i partnered with the hudson valley seed library which is a seed library in new york that has inspired a lot of uh, my work initially Uh, and we've uh, kind of uh, created um, an art packet so we commissioned a young palestinian artist her name is from jericho and uh, she made a beautiful painting of women holding the yaqteen. And a lot of people refer to the yakteen that it looks like a baby, but for me, it looks like a mother. So uh, it depends on how you see it. <laughs> but it's funny because in Arabic, we also call the, 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 the vegetable you leave for seed. We call it the rabbi, which means also the, the mother. So uh, this mother has now traveled across the world and is giving birth to more and more children. Uh, and more and more stories across and i'm really excited about this because it's now in a in a, this beautiful small seed packet it's telling our story as a people also oh, wow for me when we talk about seeds and heirloom seeds they're a way also for us to understand ourselves and in the context of palestine for example where When I left Palestine and I would travel, a lot of people would say, oh, your Palestinian Palestine doesn't exist. And I had to kind of sit in my mind and figure out over the years, how can they like such a dissonance, because for me, Palestine, so much exists, it's, uh, it's in the hills, it's in the trees, it's in the seeds, what was one, was my grandmother crazy? Or, or are these people just violent who say that to me? Uh, and so I think for me, seeds and heirloom seeds, in particular, have given me a platform to assert our presence and to assert that not only do we exist, we even have something so beautiful to share with the world. One thing that I've noticed about your work
1: is that you do tie in art and seed conservation and writing, cultural history and and things like that. Um, And so you you stayed in
0: London for some time, didn't you, on an an art residency? Uh, Yeah, that was a very special time because uh, the idea of the art residency at Delphina Foundation for me was to work on my book, which I'm still working on. Uh, But... Uh, I had been to Oxford for a seed conference uh, that same year in January, and I met this lovely person uh, named Isaiah Levy, who is Jamaican. And uh, he passed away not long after we met, but we had these big um, plans and ideas of how we want to use seeds to exchange. Uh, knowledge with each other, and uh, how we also we want to use seeds as a way to assert autonomy over our cultural heritage. Uh, him being a black man in uh, Britain, and all the complexities of that, and and me being a Palestinian woman in a in a place that uh, has a lot of uh, forces working to eradicate us as well. So. Anyway, he passed away, which was quite tragic, Uh, but then his passing sort of led me to want to look for people who planted his seeds, and I got to meet a lot of amazing people in London who were growing seeds and who have engaged in uh, allotments, and it was a big learning experience for me. And again, it was the seeds kind of leading for new friendships and new life, even in the midst of literally this, this cultural death, but also this literal death of a friend.
1: For me, when I think about the Palestinian context and food sovereignty and and farmers struggle in in Palestine, it seems like a unique thing because of Israeli occupation and the, the specific instance of that. But do you think that there are struggles like food sovereignty, like movements across the world, maybe historically, or even at the moment that, that there are similarities with, I mean, you spoke about Isaiah Levy and, and him being a, a black man in Britain um, and of Jamaican heritage, which, I mean, I guess there's a violent history be- behind the UK and Jamaica's um, history.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I see it all the time everywhere. And I think, It's naive to think of Palestine and the military occupation in Palestine as something isolated or separate. It is an extension of this global, uh, both economic and political uh, system that exercises violence towards uh, indigenous people, towards people also towards people who don't want to be part of the dominant world, like people who don't want to uh, buy a car on loan, who, people who don't want to be slaves in an apartment and call it home, you know. For example, when I did go to Jamaica uh, to see how people are selling their land, literally selling their soil, uh, you know, you ha- there are signs, top soil for sale. <laughs> what does it mean when you're selling? Like soil is the most precious thing and it's also the most powerful a tool that you have to survive and to be autonomous. And it all boils down to me, whether I'm in Guatemala, Jamaica, Palestine, California, wherever, it boils down to me to this idea that we've been fed over and over as, as people of the land, that we are not worthy and we need to become, quote unquote, civilized or we need to become somehow more educated in the traditional idea of what that means and wear suits and ties and abandon the way we speak, abandon our lands. And then the more and more I kind of dive into it for me personally, like it's really a personal journey that then obviously I am part of the world and part of society. So then you kind of start to see it in friends. So with me and Isaiah, for example, We were trying to rebel against this idea that who he is as a Jamaican black man in England uh, was not wanted or respected the way me being a Palestinian woman in Palestine or in the world is not respected or wanted. So how do we use um, the seeds as a way to, to kind of make us dispel all these lies we've been told about ourselves. And from that kind of, achieve liberation as individuals so that we can achieve liberation as, as collectives. The truth is this is the core of it. And colonization has convinced us that we're worth nothing. And we self-sabotage all the time. It's the bigger system that wins and, and we end up losing not just who we are, but we even lose our ability to survive without the oppressor because then, you know, like what's happening with us in Palestine is we're in this place where we look a little bit like we who we are, but we're not. And so you're confused, like, who am I? And when you don't know who you are, you really have no power over your life.
1: Mm. And how, how has it been working with Palestinian farmers on the ground? I mean, what are they
0: thinking at the moment? Um,
1: what have you learned from I mean, I'm sure there's, there's so much to learn from them. Um, but anything that stuck out in particular,
0: I guess? Everything I know, I learned from them. (laughs) I'm really, uh, I'm just good at uh, talking and telling stories. The real people behind this work are the people who are every day um, in the soil and with the land. Um, I mean, I am with the land also every day, but in in a different way. Because I I operate as this bridge, kind of, if you will. But um, the most beautiful thing I would say that I learn every day, and I still learn today uh, from farmers on the ground is humility. Is this humility and dignity at the same time? Like how you humble yourself without putting conditions on what it means or what it requires to be happy, but at the same time, having so much dignity in refusing to be mediocre in your life and I think in the world we're so committed to mediocrity within our own lives you know we settle for things that are don't feel right that are not real for us because you know that's just safer and you know people may look at someone you know who has a PhD and teaches at a university as, oh, they got it more together than a farmer who has a little plot. But actually that farmer, and this is is just an example, but that farmer may have a lot more freedom and a lot more uh, dignity in the way they choose their lives sometimes. For me, I I learned from farmers that I'd rather die than live... uh, without my dignity and and without uh, my freedom and I'm willing to do whatever it takes for it and food and seeds really allow us that opportunity and it's not just a romantic idea it's genuinely a real thing you know to 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 have that autonomy over what you eat and when you eat and also when you work what would
1: you say to people who who don't see like food sovereignty and and this connection to the soil um, as important because I I feel like a lot of people are definitely alienated from from nature from like
0: feeling the soil from their own heritage I don't uh, bother with convincing people for anything Uh, time is the greatest teacher and time has shown us over and over what's important and it's really about the readiness of individuals and communities to be open to the discomforts and the changes that are necessary. Otherwise, the changes happen anyway, and the discomforts happen anyway. It's just when they happen, they become quite intense. So, for example, I think the world has been asking us to slow down, pay attention, but we haven't. And then here we have uh, a crisis globally that is forcing a lot of questions. And I feel like I, I say COVID is, has this kind of honesty serum uh, because I feel people are more willing to be more honest about what's real, what's not. For folks who don't believe it's important, time will show that it is because at some point, we're all going to be fighting over where to get our food, and uh, where to get our water. All of these issues, climate change isn't about just buying a fancy bottle of something from a fair trade shop. (laughs) Climate change, you're not going to save it by your fair trade shopping only or by your organic shopping. It's going to be changed by you making new decisions about your life. And you just might find out that you'll be happier without all these things you think you need so much. So we're running out of time, but I guess my final question
1: would be, do you have like a favorite Palestinian heirloom seed or vegetable, or is there something that is like one that's very important to you? And then also maybe what's your favorite Palestinian food or dish?
0: Oh, wow. Um, well, my favorite food is akoub. Uh, which is called gondelia, and it's a wild plant. It's, it's a thorn that I like to eat, and um, but my favorite seed. It's hard question because I love many, but I would say the spinach, the heirloom spinach, because uh, the seeds are very spiky, and they they when they dry, they become like a cluster, and they look like like planets, and I like my fantastical world and so I, I i kind of disappear in imagining them in other spheres and planets and so that's the child in me <laughs> thank
1: you so much for this conversation it was it was really enlightening and and good luck with all your work at the palestinian lc library thank you thank you so much Thank you for tuning in to Instant Coffee, a podcast brought to you by the LSE Middle East Centre. Join
0: us every other Tuesday for a new episode of Instant Coffee. To learn more about Vivian and the Palestine heirloom seed library, follow the links in the podcast description. Don't forget to follow
1: us on Instagram and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to like, comment and give us five stars.